0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Cassidy Sabe. She is a former Ohio State and Clarkson women's hockey player, and she is currently with the Buffalo Buttes in the PHF. Uh, Cassidy has been to two Frozen Fours, and a lot has happened in her college hockey career, so I'm looking forward to talking to her about that. But Cassidy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and how's everything going?
1: Very good, and thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate, uh, your time. Now, obviously there's so much I want to get into regarding your career. So I thought it would just be best to start off from the beginning and work all the way up to where you are today. Uh, so it says that you're from Whitby, Ontario. Talk about growing up there and how'd you start playing hockey?
1: Yeah. So, um, when I was younger, probably around four or five, um, for Christmas, my parents got my brother hockey skates and me figure skates. Um, and immediately I was like, no, I want the same ones as my brother, Brady. Um, so I ended up, they returned them and got me hockey skates. And I started getting out on the outdoor rink with him and kind of just putting around. And then
0: eventually
1: um, we started actually playing together on a team. And I think for me, the big thing was having an opportunity to do things with my big brother. Um, so that's kind of how hockey started for me. Um, and then it kind of just, kept going and eventually I transitioned to being a goalie at a pretty young age so
0: yeah what led you to become a goalie because for most people they don't like uh, getting pucks thrown at them so <laughs> what type of what led you to sort of uh, go transition to that position
1: I actually blamed my brother for that one too um, he needed a target to work on his snapshot <laughs> shot and I was I guess crazy enough to go stand in the net and let him shoot on me so eventually I just turned to my parents and I was like I I think I want to be a goalie and at that point in time um I was on a team where like everyone gets an opportunity to play goalie um but I ended up not really letting any of the other kids go in and I just always wanted to be a net and no one else really wanted to do it so I kind of was like just a good opportunity for me to get in there and do something I actually wanted to do so
0: And obviously, Cassie, I'm the youngest sibling as well, so I totally understand uh, being forced to do stuff you don't like, and being goalie is one of those things, so I I completely understand that. Yeah. Now, who was your favorite player growing up? Was it someone on the Leafs? Was it a goalie? Was it a woman on the national team? Like, who was someone you inspired to be like?
1: Yeah, you know, when I was younger, um, and I guess we mostly watched NHL hockey, um, Ed Balfour was my favorite goalie. Um, especially when he played for the Leafs and then kind of as I got a little bit more exposure um, to women's hockey I started watching the national team and um, I ended up really liking Charlene Labonte and that's actually why I still wear number 32 to this day so um, it's kind of cool that I at a young age and in a time where women's hockey wasn't as prevalent that I ended up you know getting that opportunity to watch her and Learned from her, and I actually got to work with her quite a bit, which is pretty cool too.
0: Does she know that you you were her favorite player growing up?
1: Yeah, yeah she
0: <laughs> does <laughs> What was her reaction when you told her that?
1: um you know, I think it's anytime someone tells you um that you're their favorite player, I think it's humbling for sure, and she is such a great person that she she loves that and we we chat here and there about you know number thirty two she'll be like, you know keep going number thirty two and stuff like that and um, it's kind of adopted, been adopted by me to wear that number and hopefully one, like one day have as much success as she's had. So.
0: Now, before you went off to college, you played in the PWHL for the Whitby Wolves and the Durham West Junior Lightning. Um, how did you get the opportunity to go to the PWHL and how do you compare your experiences between the teams that you played for in Whitby and
1: Durham? Yeah. So, um, when I, I was in grade, I think grade 10. Um, I was still playing boys hockey. I think that's a sophomore for any American people listening. But yeah, so when I was in grade 10, I was still playing boys hockey. And I was kind of getting to that age where I knew that if I didn't switch to the women's game, I was probably going to have a hard time in college adjusting to um, the differences in the game. Um, So I reached out to a couple of PWHL teams um, and not knowing the process of like how early people uh, commit to those teams. Um, there wasn't a whole lot left open, but Durham West kind of welcomed me with open arms and it was pretty close to home for me. So it was kind of nice to be able to play for like a hometown team. Um, so I played for them for a year and then, um, it was really good. I made a lot of great friends and it was a great opportunity to adjust to the game. Um, and then in my senior year, I switched to Whitby so that I could actually play for my hometown and, um, it was, one of the best years of hockey that I've ever had it was very memorable and probably one of the most fun experiences I had um and at first I was a little bit nervous I think to play girls hockey because it's definitely a different environment but that was like a really great group that kind of got me ready for college.
0: And obviously, talking to a lot of women's hockey players, and when I've done this podcast, a lot of them did play boys hockey before transitioning to girls hockey. But I feel like the transition must be a little bit easier as a goalie since, you know, there's uh, for as a player, you know, you have to adjust not having to hit anybody and all that stuff. So what was like some of the things you had to adjust to as a goalie going from boys hockey to girls hockey?
1: Yeah, I think the big thing that was was hard for me when I switched over was the speed of like, the game itself. Um, I Even when I I still skate with guys in the summer, and I feel like for the first couple weeks when I'm back with skating with girls again, I feel like I'm, like, moving too fast and need to chill out. Um, And I I think at that time it was the same thing. I just had never done it before, so I didn't know how to process it. So it was, like, I was actually my first year in girls hockey. If you watched me, you would have been, like, wow, she's terrible. Like, I got burned so many times because I would, like, they'd pass it over and I would slide and then – They would just pass it back and the net would be wide open um, because I do think girls have a tendency to. I mean, they're not getting cranked with a hit, so they have the tendency to have more time to make a secondary decision or something like that. So um, I definitely had to kind of calm my game down and it was actually a harder adjustment than I thought it was going to be.
0: And overall, when you were with the PWHL, how did it help prepare you for college hockey with Ohio State?
1: We get a lot of volume. Um, That's one thing that I I think is incredibly fortunate for kids growing up in Ontario and having, especially female hockey players, having an opportunity to play in the PWHL is there's a lot of volume. You're in tournaments and games, and I think having that opportunity to play um, at a high level against the top players in Ontario, it prepares you to to go to college, whether that's in Canada or the U.S., and Um, and have success because you're just kind of bred into it
0: now what's your best memory you have uh, with the pwhl when you think back to it today
1: uh thinking back on it i would probably say my final year um with the whippy wolves um we had like such a dominant year i think we won almost every tournament we went to and we won um the final four like we just had so much success and at that time I was. with team Ontario and team Canada too. And we won gold with both of those teams as well. So I think just that whole year in general, like before going to college, it was such a confidence boost to have so much success.
0: Now talk about your recruitment process to Ohio state. Uh, Why did you end up going there versus other schools you might have looked at? Because I think people tend to forget when you went to Ohio state, it's not what it was like today, like as a powerhouse school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty remarkable today. Um, when I was playing boys hockey my last year, um there was an Ohio state scout in the stands um and my guy teammates came out to me and said, that guy's here for you," and I was like "No, he's not like i don't I don't even know what that is and uh and then when I was in grade eleven, sure enough, they were at my games again and then grade and then I committed like halfway through grade eleven, but they were always keeping an eye on me um which was pretty cool like there was there was a lot of teams that did that, um, but Ohio State from day one was so dedicated to the process that I just like felt like they actually wanted me. And um, when I had conversations with the head coach at that time, um, he he had a plan, and I kind of liked just how organized he was with what he wanted out of the team and I think a lot of the success that the team has today is the players he started to bring in kind of when I got recruited um, like Jim C. Dunn and Emma Malte like those were his commits at the time so I think he just started to get those players that were very highly skilled and I just I wanted to be a part of growing a culture and not just being a part of one that was already had tons of success so
0: Now, speaking of adjustments, uh, what was like the biggest adjustment you had to make to college hockey as a freshman and how did what's like the difference between juniors and college? Obviously the speed of the game is much faster, but I'm assuming like since players are making quicker decisions, you have to like react quicker than you normally do in juniors.
1: Yeah. It was honestly like, I think maybe not my first weekend, but maybe my second weekend we played against Wisconsin. Um, and it's just, like, it was honestly jaw-dropping to see how much skill there was. It was exciting at the same time. Like, obviously, you're young and you're taking it all in. But just to see how amazing, you know, the game has become, it's really exciting. And there's definitely a lot to take in when you're a freshman. It almost feels like a blur thinking about it now. But um, just, like, it's really cool to see how strong the competition is. And I feel like even now when you look at, like, the, the stats and stuff, like, different teams are winning and different teams are beating each other on any given night. So it's kind of anyone's game now.
0: Oh yeah. Especially in the WCHA. Cause yeah. like it used to just be in Wisconsin, Minnesota, but now it's Minnesota Duluth, uh, obviously yeah. Ohio state. And then you see St. Cloud state, a team on the rise. So it's definitely good to see like how there's different teams sort of competing yeah. for a championship at the end of the season. I think it makes it more interesting and it yeah, also definitely. shows the growth of uh, women's hockey as well. For sure. Now, obviously, freshman year you lost to North Dakota in the playoffs. I'm curious what you took away from your first playoff experience in the WCHA, and how you used it for the rest of your time uh, with Ohio State.
1: Yeah, that I I remember like losing to North Dakota like it was yesterday. Um, For whatever reason, I feel like that has stuck with me. Um, I think at that point, maybe not a lot of people knew, but I was playing through. I had torn labrams in my hips, so. Um it was just frustrating because I felt like I tried to give it my all and be there for the team and perform as best as I could but I feel like I was so limited um but I do remember those games like they were yesterday like we played we played well and you know we weren't necessarily as skilled as them but we battled hard and I think that kind of was the pivoting point of our program where people were like we're not just doing this for fun we can actually have success if we if we work like this all the time
0: And obviously your sophomore year, you didn't play due to an injury. I assume it's because of the torn labrum that you had. Um, So how did you handle that challenge of not playing that season? And what was, what's the recovery process like uh, for a torn labrum?
1: It was, it was definitely tough. Um, Mentally, sometimes when, you know, you're around the team, but you're not on the ice with them and you kind of just feel like a bit of an outsider. And my teammates were really great at kind of keeping me involved and, you know, including me and stuff. But at the end of the day, when you're not on the ice with your team, it's very different. Um, but I do think that that was one year where I got to grow the most. Um, I, you know, it's, it's a long process. It's about six to nine months per hip. Um, and I did them separately because that was kind of just what the doctor at Ohio state said to do, um, rehab wise would be my best bet. Um, it's definitely a difficult process and it's long and you feel like you're moving so slow, but it's doable. And I know a lot of goalies get it done now Um, more, more than ever I would imagine. Uh But yeah, it's, it's a tough process, but got through it and um it made me honestly more hungry to come back and play. Like I had never taken a break from hockey probably since I was five years old. Like obviously in the summer you, you step away and you do other stuff, but I think, and not led by my parents at all but by myself my life was hockey and I had to kind of at that point learn how to be Cassidy without hockey and it was pretty cool actually
0: was it good also to see the game from a different perspective like watching it on in the stands versus being on the team and like doing all that stuff like I feel like that must help as well
1: yeah you know I actually um Cause I got to go to all the games, which was nice. That was like a part of, cause sometimes injured players don't travel, but, um, I was lucky enough to be able to go to every weekend. Um, I actually like made a note on my phone with players that I knew were going to be returning and like their tendencies. Um, so I, I, you know, that's not something you could do when you're playing in the game. Like, sure. You might remember so-and-so is good at, you know, driving low or something, but, um, but when you're actually sitting in the stands or in, like, a skybox, you have an opportunity to, like, sit back and actually see their tendencies. So,
0: What were some of the tendencies? Do you still remember any of them for any of the players?
1: Yeah, there's uh, Sarah Nurse. She would always, like, come in and her sh- she would always shoot high. She's good at picking corners. Um, so kind of knowing that tendency. She's also good at playing below the goal line. Um, that was one that I, like, mastered because I just didn't want to get scored on by her when we were playing against Wisconsin, so.
0: That's awesome. And obviously, any PWHPA players that I listen to, the goalies that I listen to this might have a little secret on how to save certain <laughs> their shots, but did yeah, you also I might use... still
1: have my list. <laughs> they, wanna, they want it.
0: Did you, did you do it for any of your teammates as well? Like, did you tell them, like, hey, this is what you do, maybe try to work on this a
1: little bit? Yeah, yeah, and I also, like, would be you know not to like crap on any other goalies but everyone kind of has their weak spot I mean you know there's there's always something that a goalie feels less confident with and I would like watch goalies to a point where I would figure out what their weakness was and I would share that with my teammates and try and use that to get goals against other teams so that we could have more success.
0: Now, how do you like, what's the recovery? I guess I'm curious because my favorite goalie is, to, is Tukarask and yeah. he had labrum surgery and unfortunately he had to retire because of it. So I'm curious, like, how you like get back on the ice with the, after a labrum surgery and how you sort of like get back to like what you were before the surgery, like healthy versus like not letting it like ruin your career, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, I honestly think I had no expectations. Um, I think that helped me a lot because. I didn't honestly think I was going to be able to compete at the same level. Um, I sort of saw myself as a liability in that sense because you just don't know. Like, I it's not like I had ever done it before, so you don't really know what you're putting yourself into. Um, but I think having like low expectations on what I was able to do after surgery was actually like the, a pretty good approach because um, then every time like you know you you step on the ice with just skates the first time you're like oh wow I can skate that's good. And then you go with like just your pads on and you can go in a butterfly and it feels somewhat normal. So I think just like meeting those milestones without kind of having expectations that are unrealistic was how I did it.
0: Now, in your first two years uh, with Ohio State, your team really struggled a, a lot. You guys finished below 500 for those seasons. I'm curious, what was it like being a part of a program during the beginning part of a rebuilding process? And how did what role did you play in trying to improve Ohio State uh, to what it is today?
1: Like I said a while ago, um, I think we ended up getting some really skilled players in, um, kind of during my time there, and I we had some very good players when I was there as a freshman and sophomore as well. And I think it was just a matter of like it clicking. Um, I think sometimes it just takes like a team going through that kind of stuff and being below five hundred and struggling to get to the top of the mountain and i think it was cool to be a part of that i knew going into ohio state that we weren't going to be winning a national championship my freshman year um but it was still a goal of mine when i was a freshman it was still a goal of mine when i was red shirting my sophomore year so um i think just having that mindset and slowly we started to get players that had that winner's mentality
0: and I think a big reason why Ohio State started to change was the hiring of Nadine Mosarol uh during your junior season. I'm curious what's it like as a player going through a coaching transition and what was it like playing under coach Mosarol?
1: Yeah, no, it was it was really good. Um she's very demanding, um but I think she gets a lot out of her players and like I commend her for that because she will push people to the point of you know, where they're exhausted, or they feel like they have nothing else to give, but she finds a little bit more out of everyone. And she did that with myself. Um, It was it was a good experience. And I I do genuinely appreciate how much she pushed us. So I yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think when we got to that point, our team realized like everyone would look at themselves in the mirror and know that they gave it their all. So
0: and obviously, um, one interview I was listening to about Coach Masarala, someone said, like, she wasn't your best friend uh, when you were with the team at all. Like, you grew to sort of hate her a little bit, but then after your career with Ohio State, you realized how much she meant to you, and now, like, you, they talk all the time. Is that the same thing for yourself?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say we were best friends at all, you know, but she does. I think she does genuinely love and respect her players, and, um she just she has a way of getting a lot out of people, and I think that's shown in the success that the team has had in the past couple of years, especially like um she came in there and she's a trailblazer and she's gonna keep doing what she needs to do to have success so
0: another question I want to ask you as well, because you went from a male coach to a female coach is that different as well
1: yeah it was it was different um I honestly didn't notice it too much um i Matt is a really good coach as well. And um, I learned a lot from him in just one year at Clarkson. So, um, but I honestly didn't notice that much of a difference.
0: Now, obviously your senior year, uh, your team drastically improved winning over 20 games and making the frozen four. I'm curious, what did your team do during that off season to make such a big improvement to the success that your team had? Obviously you talk about um, the players that you added on your team and looking at that team was pretty, it's pretty unbelievable to see like the talent that you guys had with Emma Malte, Tatum Skaggs, uh, Lauren Boyle, yourself, Madison Field. It's uh, like, it's actually pretty unbelievable to see all the yeah. talent that your team had. So I'm curious like what your team did to sort of build that chemistry and have that success uh, for your senior year.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that was the if I'm not mistaken that was the first summer like we were most of us would stay in the summer to train and stuff but I think that was the first summer that I would say 90 percent of the team like voluntarily chose to stay on campus take classes um, reduce the academic load and just train and it was it was really great you know we got a lot done and it, it's different when you're all doing the same thing in the summer um, you're all on the same page and you're working together and There's no pressure of games and stuff, and you just have an opportunity to, like, build that culture um, without kind of the same environment that you have during the academic year.
0: Now, at what point during the season did you realize, like, this team was capable of making the Frozen Four?
1: Uh, I think it was was a home weekend when we played against Wisconsin, and we actually swept them. I think that was the first time in program history that Ohio State— swept wisconsin or it had been a very long time um and i think that's kind of when we looked at each other and we were like dang we're good like when we do all the thing the little things right like this team can have a huge success so
0: and obviously i want to ask you one question before i get into the WCHA playoffs that season uh, one is your rink in ohio state is very unique it's really small But I like how you guys can pack it every single night. I'm curious, what's it like as a goalie playing in that uh, small rink at Ohio State?
1: Yeah, that's my favorite rink. I think it always will be. There's just something different about it. It's not flashy. It's not, you know, like, yeah, Wisconsin's rink is nice. Minnesota's rink is nice. But it just felt like home. Um, And I think it was really cool to see throughout the year as we would go from having, like, 30 people in the stands. And now you look at it and there's not an inch of space. So it was pretty cool to see that transition over the years where so many people started to come and watch the team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite road rink to play in, in college, uh, I should say?
1: Mm, trying to think. Uh, I, I do like Wisconsin. Um, I mean, it's a nice, bright rink, and it's it's a little bit of a change up. Um, But, yeah, I I like Wisconsin. I'm trying to think if there's any out-of-conference rinks that I really liked, but I think that would probably be my favorite.
0: I might be a little biased because I'm from the East Coast, but I feel like the ECAC has cooler rinks than the WCHA.
1: Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of nice ECAC rinks for sure.
0: But still, Wisconsin better than Hobie Baker, Lina, all those? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wow. What's the best uh, chirp you've heard um, in a a road rink? Because I know as a goal you sometimes get heckled from the fans. Is there any good yeah. ones that you've heard?
1: Yeah, Minnesota sucks. Like, they are <laughs> cruel. <laughs> they would say, like, "Sovay is a great big sieve, dude. <laughs> and that one that one actually hurts. Like, they're yelling wow. at you the whole game. It sucks. I'm like, can you guys just pipe down for a second? Let me focus on stopping the puck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that I, maybe, maybe it's because the Bostonian me, that wouldn't be bothering me at all, because I just feel like that's sort of a lame chant. Maybe that's just me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I had a at Bemidji once, I had a bag of popcorn thrown in my head when we were getting off the ice. So that, was, that was pretty good. It wasn't a chirp, but it was, you
0: know. Did you get to eat any of it afterwards?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, like, fell where I couldn't reach it. I don't know if oh, I would have, but, yeah. That,
0: yeah, that's, that, that's, I will say, though, my favorite chant is probably, like, there's one at UMass where, like, after they score a goal, they're like, it's all your fault. They start chanting at the goalie. Yeah. And that, I like that because it's, like, making fun of the goalie a little bit.
1: Yeah, Penn State does that, too. I've I've heard Penn, like, I haven't played at Penn State since they have, like, kind of have grown their fan base, but heard they're pretty savage, so.
0: Is Ohio State savage, especially since uh, the small rank, that must help a little bit.
1: Yeah, the, the fan section, like, they bang the glass a lot, but only, I guess, only one period that the goalie has to deal with it, so.
0: Okay, okay. Well, that's interesting to know that sometimes those chants can hurt the goalies. So shout out to Minnesota <laughs> fans for doing that. I yeah. will say that I've heard that locker rooms the worst in the WCHA.
1: The Gophers?
0: The River Arena, yeah. Oh, the visiting one or the home yeah,
1: one? Yeah,
0: the visiting one.
1: Yeah. I don't actually remember it all that much. I don't know if we were in a different room for the Frozen Four, but uh, the Frozen Four room was nice.
0: Yeah. I'm, I say, if Someone said it was, like, really small. That was the problem.
1: Yeah, there's a couple small ones. I heard Ohio State's visitor locker room sucks.
0: Well, that makes sense a little bit because the arena's so small. <laughs> yeah. So it, I, would, I would, I would, I would be shocked if it was like anything nice, but yeah. it's the visiting locker room. So you can't like, yeah. it's like you're only there for like one, one game yeah. basically. You
1: gotta disadvantage the other team a little
0: bit. Exactly. Exactly. Now, obviously speaking of Minnesota, the WCHA championship or playoffs that year, uh, your team lost to Minnesota before heading off to the national tournament. So I'm curious, what was the message heading into the tournament and what was your reaction heading into the tournament and how'd you use that loss to make that run to the frozen floor?
1: Yeah. So I actually didn't even dress for that game. I tore my MCL. Um, so I was, yeah, it was tough to kind of sit back and watch my goalie partner at the time. Amanda Zeglin actually like played lights out and um, she was, she was awesome. she, you know, like they really gave it to us that game and she stood on her head. Um And I don't think it really affected us that much. It was almost more of like a, you, you kind of need one of those things to happen because um, we had been on a pretty good run. Um, And then afterwards, like it didn't even really feel like we lost the game when we got to the airport and we started watching the viewing party. And uh there was like a bunch of cameras and stuff. Uh, it was pretty cool. And when we were selected, to the tournament it was like we kind of forgot about the game immediately like you know I honestly haven't thought about that game since you just brought it up so
0: I apologize I for that stick
1: with us no that's okay
0: <laughs> you played in the tournament though right I remember that
1: yeah yeah I did so I played against BC and then in the frozen four with a torn MCL
0: oh how did you manage that
1: it was it wasn't great it was <laughs> not ideal but got through it
0: What's the worst to play through a torn labrum or a torn M C L?
1: Uh I would say MCL. Yeah. Like labrum is doable unless you kick your leg out, but MCL every time you go down it's
0: disastrous. So, I'm assuming the recovery time's not as like long because you didn't miss any of your fifth year.
1: No. No, I um it heals itself, um which is great. Like you don't have to get surgery if it's just your MCL. So it was I mean, it sucked and it took a little bit after the season for it to heal, but not, not any longer than I would have been off if I was just kind of taking a break after the season.
0: Now, let's talk about that game against Boston College when you beat them in the first round to head to the Frozen Four. What do you remember from that game? Because from what I remember from that game is I had the chance to interview Lauren Boyle, like, two years ago. This is like, one of the first episodes I ever did. And she said there was a coach at BC that didn't want her on the team and said some stuff about her during the recruitment process. And she remembers when she scored that goal against BC. It was, like, one of the best moments of her career because she got to prove that coach wrong. So that's what I remember from it. But what do you remember from that big win?
1: I – Honestly, that whole day is such a blur. Uh, um, I the only thing I remember is after the game, being in so much pain because of my knee, and then going upstairs and like just hugging my mom and dad. I don't. Re- I remember one save I made in the game. I stuck my leg. I pretty much landed in the splits, which I can't do. So it's kind of shocking. But I like made a toe save, and that's all I remember. Um, and then I remember just hugging my mom and dad, and that's it. And the excitement, but, like, absolute exhaustion in our locker room. Um, like, people did whatever they could. There was so many block shots. There was, like, so much effort from our team. Um, I think people were honestly too tired to be, like, super pumped up. But, obviously, once the emotions kind of leveled out, we were like, wow, we're going to the Frozen Four. Um, but I think people were genuinely exhausted and just pretty quiet. Like, I was pretty quiet after the game.
0: Yeah, people forget that it was sort of a big upset because you guys had to go on the road to play that game. And I'm pretty sure BC was like undefeated the previous year and they lost yeah. in the championship game. So that BC team was pretty solid because I'm pretty sure they had like Megan yeah. Keller and all those top end players. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They were, they were really good. Um, I mean, their goalie played really well too. It was, it was honestly a really good game. It was just like high emotion because we had never been there before. We didn't, you know, like the worst case scenario for us was that we went further than we went the year before. Um, for them it was obviously more of an upset they were seated higher than us and we kind of just went I think when we went into it there was less of like a. there's no pressure on the underdog you know we just went in and had fun with it
0: yeah I feel like that naiveness probably helped out a little bit because you guys were it was all new to you for them It was like I'm trying to like I guess like that experience maybe added more pressure than it than it normally would have been
1: yeah for sure
0: Now, what was your frozen floor experience like in Minnesota, off the ice, red carpet, all that stuff? Uh, That must have been fun to experience for the first time.
1: Yeah, definitely. You you definitely get treated like a celebrity, which is pretty cool. Um, I think in women's hockey, you don't necessarily get that exposure like that until you get to that stage. And um, it was really cool. It was honestly overwhelming. I remember walking down the red carpet and I'm like, wow, we're about to play a hockey game. Like, this is wild. There's so many people. Uh, it's a really cool experience though, and I think the NCAA does a good job, um, you know, giving us that opportunity, putting it at good venues. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. Uh, I think it was a little overwhelming for most of our team. None of us had ever been there, but it was a great experience.
0: Who had the best outfit at the red, in the red carpet for Ohio State? I know you, you're a big hat person based on your IG, so I'm assuming you yeah. had something good, but anyone, uh, any uh, other than your teammates had something good?
1: Gosh, I feel like everyone had such good style. I would have to say probably, like, Danny Sadik or Lauren Boyle, um, Tatum Skaggs. Those girls, I feel like, all wear leather. So, like, like <laughs> anything leather looks good, right?
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. We'll talk a little bit about that game against Clarkson. Um Obviously, you guys lost in overtime. So I'm curious what emotions we were feeling after that game because I feel like you never want to be the goalie in the highlight reel, um, for, like, a big uh, moment. And I do have a couple yeah. questions to ask you after that game because I'm assuming there are some things. I, I'm curious about that. But just talk about that game from your perspective um, and what you sort of felt, what, how you – when you think back to it today, like, what do you sort of remember from it?
1: Yeah, that one still hurts. Um, we had actually scored a goal. <laughs> we have this, like – because we scored and it got called off, so we had this, like, joke around it um, saying it was political. Um, you know, when you score a goal and it gets called off in a situation like that, and then not too long after they come down and score like a highlight real goal, it's definitely tough to take in. I remember laying on the ice with, I think it was me, Lauren Boyle. There's actually a picture of it, but like, we were so upset that we literally couldn't stand up. Um, and I think that just like goes to show you how much everyone genuinely cares about each other too. Cause we weren't like at the end of the day, losing happens and every team in the NCAA season usually ends on a loss with the exception of the team that wins the tournament. And I think just how hard we had worked to get to that moment and how much confidence we had going into that game and believing in ourselves and knowing that we were just as good as the other teams there. It was definitely tough, just like a tough moment for us. Um, And for, you know, especially our seniors, which was my class, like, that was their last game, so.
0: Yeah, I remember there was a photo of uh, Danny Sadik, like, absolutely balling on the ice after that game, and I feel like that just shows you the passion that your team had uh, to make it that far and just what you've done to the program because that moment I really feel like is – a huge pivotal reason why Ohio state won a national championship uh, this past season. Yeah. And I think it's just really cool to see how fast the programs developed in such a short period of time. Cause most programs take like 10, 15 years to sort of get to the powerhouse that they are. But Ohio state, it only took like five years, which is pretty unbelievable. And I think it's all because of the great players that Muzerol and the previous coach recruited there.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely agree with that.
0: Now, uh, you did transfer to Clarkson the following season. So I want to ask you what led you to sort of go to another school for your fifth, uh fifth year.
1: I think at that point um, I, you know, I was thinking like on the academic side of things. So I was done my undergrad at Ohio state um, and Clarkson had a one year MBA program. Um, There's a couple other schools that had kind of at, like master's programs that um, intrigued me. So I, started to shop around a little bit and just like ultimately at that point decided for someone like myself, a female athlete um, at the end of the day, our education actually does really matter. Um, And that's a huge reason why we go to the NCAA to play hockey. And I wanted to further my education and I, I didn't want to have to like do a two year program and sit at a school after my eligibility had expired. So I found a couple one-year programs and talked to the coaches and ultimately it was just like, this is the best decision for my life moving forward. Um, and yeah, I chose Clarkson, obviously a very successful team as well. Um, I do think in the season that I was at Clarkson, um, I, I faced a lot of shots and it was kind of going back to a team where I got peppered a little bit, but they were a really good team and a good group. So worked out in the end.
0: I do have to ask you how awkward it was going to the locker room for the first time after they just uh, eliminated uh, your team the fall, the previous season that year.
1: No, they were pretty good about it. Um, I mean, I think they were excited to have me, which is very humbling. And um, after they had just graduated Shea Tiley, you know, I, I knew I had big shoes to fill. So I was ready for the opportunity, and I was excited to be in the, in the room with them. And I think that they felt the same way. So it wasn't too bad.
0: Another question I want to ask you is I'm assuming Clarkson has a hype video before each game, probably showing some of the national championship footage and maybe the overtime goal. How awkward was that having to watch that uh, before each you know game?
1: What? They, they actually cut it out. <laughs> they <laughs> cut it out of the video for me. Um, the only time I actually saw that the video of that goal was at their ring ceremony um, that we like went to the, the following year. So um and I was like, yeah, it was a pretty gross goal. Like, at least it wasn't a muffin. You know, I would, yeah. I think I'd have a harder time with it if it was, like, a really bad goal. But it was honestly gross, so it's okay, I guess, <laughs> now.
0: Yeah, definitely. Is it weird joining a team that just wins the national championship? Because all of them, like, have that experience. But I don't know. I feel like there's probably some, like, uh, maybe not awkwardness might not be the right word, but just sort of, like, interesting to sort of go to a room like that where they know how to win versus like someone like yourself who hasn't done it at that moment.
1: Yeah, I I think it's cool to go into a culture that knows how to win. Um, I think I also left a culture that was learning it, so it was pretty cool. Like, And I I didn't notice it that much transition-wise. And I ended up going to Clarkson for the summer as well to take some classes just so that my load during the school year would be a little bit less. Um, So I ended up meeting most of the girls In the summer. So I think that kind of eased the transition as well. Because again, when summer school is a little bit different than when you're jumping right into it with training camp and whatnot.
0: Now, you won the ECAC uh, championship that year. Describe the emotions of winning that championship and what it meant to you, because I think the ECAC is the best uh, conference in women's hockey because there's like seven, eight teams that have a legit chance to go to the tournament every year, which is pretty unbelievable. So what was it like uh, winning that championship and being all those high-end schools and players?
1: Yeah, that was great. Um I remember, like, we went into that tournament. We were kind of underdogs, I would say. Um I think we were – like third or something in the rankings for that. Um, So we ended up, our first game ended up being delayed like an hour. So we were sitting in our equipment for an hour because the other game had like double overtime or something. And when you, I feel like when you're just sitting there for so long like that, you're just like the anxiety starts to build up. You get nervous, but we actually ended up coming out and playing really well. And uh, I think as a team, we just performed so well that weekend um, that we ended up, Having a lot of success and led us into a very good kind of opportunity. So,
0: what's the main differences between the ECAC and uh, the WCHA playing style-wise, from your perspective as a goalie? Uh,
1: I would say that the WCHA is a lot more physical. Um, I think there's like a tendency for whatever reason, especially when I was playing the WCHA, there's like bigger bodies and. It seems like people are, like, I don't know, built different. (laughs) Um, And then the ECAC, I think there's, like, a lot more finesse. Um, Crafty players, small players, uh, like, high hockey IQ. So, I I think that was the big difference. And it was also really different playing against so many teams that were, like, in your conference. You know, like, versus, like, having to play out of conference games and whatnot. You just, there's so many teams.
0: so. It also must be weird because like in the ECAC you play two different teams a week every weekend versus the WCHA where you play the same team every weekend. Is that yeah. like different preparing? Like it must be like as a goal you have to prepare. You usually have like a routine of like how you prepare for a weekend. Does that change it at all, playing two different teams versus uh, the same one?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um I think w- when you're playing the same team twice in a row, it can either be really good or really bad. Like if your team comes out and pumps a team on Friday – then you go into it being like, oh, this is going to be easy on Saturday. Um, Whereas if you're playing two different teams, you have a different approach for both teams. Um, But then on the other end of it, like if you have a tough game on a Friday against a team and then you you want your revenge on Saturday. So um I think kind of both of them have their benefit. And obviously being in the PHF now, we do the, you play the same team twice in the weekend. So I don't mind being back at that. Um, it's definitely not traditional, I would say, but it's, I don't
0: mind it. Now, there's a reason why Boston College has nightmares because of you, and it's because Clarkson beat BC again in the tournament to head to the Frozen Four that season. Uh, what was the difference between Boston College uh, when you were beating them in Clarkson versus when you were at Ohio State and just talk about the overtime goal that was scored that led you to the Frozen Four uh, with Clarkson that year?
1: Yeah, you know, I actually don't remember that game at all. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is with BC. Like, they I- They remember I mean, the games, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I do genuinely like playing against them, I guess. And, um, but yeah, I, I feel like I was very overwhelmed, first of all, because we were playing them again, and I'm like, oh God, like, they're gonna want vengeance, even though I'm on a different team. Um, and I think, again, like, the team in front of me just played so well that it was like, you know, people sacrificing their bodies again, and um, when you have Gable and Jaguar, you, you're almost guaranteed to get a goal, so um, kind of just my job is to just keep the team in the game and let them do their thing, and I think as a whole, we did a good job doing that and preparing for the game, so.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about you. I've had some really good defenses around you for both Ohio State Clarks, and yeah. I think it's, like, crazy that you had like Jincey Dunn with, in front of you in Ohio State, and then the following year you have L. Shelton in front of you yeah. defensively. Like, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're they're both great. And I was definitely blessed with very good defensemen over the years, which is really a goalie's best friend, I think. So
0: Absolutely, especially since, like, those pesky uh, players trying to dig into your pads a little bit after yeah. this. So you need some to, like, shove them off a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Now, uh, what was it like up in the Frozen Four with Clarkson? Was the experience a little bit different than the one with Ohio State? And, uh, just talk about off the ice. I'm curious because I like the one in Quinnipiac just because the looking at it, this might sound so stupid, but looking at it, it just looks better in that rank versus the one in Minnesota. Maybe I'm a bit biased on that. I just think it looks cool with the yeah. blue seats and all that stuff. I'm curious what your experience was like, um, at that Frozen Four in a different venue.
1: It was cool to, um, to be in a situation where it wasn't my first time. Um, I think that was kind of nice. And obviously the only people on our team that would have been experiencing that for the first time at that point would be the freshmen. So, um, I think it was really cool and I did like the venue a lot, um, I'm honestly not a huge fan of the Quinnipiac rink. It's too bright. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I think it's a beautiful rink to look at um, for whatever, like, the lighting in there is just, like, it's so bright that it's almost hard to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's a great rink, and, again, we got treated really well, and uh, it was another great experience. Um, it was definitely a tougher tournament, I would say, just in terms of how things went, but overall it was, it was another great experience.
0: And you played Wisconsin in your final game of your collegiate career. Talk about that game. Obviously it didn't go the way you wanted to, losing five nothing, but uh I feel like there's no shame in losing to the champions of that year.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um definitely a tough one. I think probably up until like six months ago, it was like still something I regularly thought about. Um I don't know why that maybe because it was my last game in college and I think college was such a good experience for me that it stung a little bit more to end that way. Um, but I I did have one coach that when I was at Clarkson, she said that um, like, that's not, it doesn't encompass everything. Um, the success that we've all had and, you know, everything we've accomplished over, whether it was for, for the seniors that were in my class, their four years at Clarkson, my four years at Ohio state. And then Clarkson, um, it doesn't, kind of tell the whole story and well it sucks it at the end of the day like I said before everyone kind of has to lose except for the team that wins it all so mm-hmm. it's tough but I'd rather lose to the team that wins it all than not
0: yeah and both times that happened which yeah. is pretty crazy to think about
1: yeah for sure
0: now how has your college hockey experience helped you as a professional hockey player today
1: I think just the volume and like the ability to compete at such a high level consistently, um I think it sets you up for success and um obviously, I've had bumps in the roads in the road with injuries and whatnot, but um, I do think it prepares you and kind of having to balance that academic and athletic lifestyle um with also like having a social life, I think it it prepares you for kind of the future, and at the end of the day, you have a degree to fall back on. I'm I'm incredibly lucky at this point to be still playing hockey and to be playing professional hockey. But um I know that I have two degrees to go get a real job as some people would say one day. So
0: just continue to play hockey as long as you can, Casty, because that's that's, that's that's how I always feel it's like the real world isn't as fun as people try to make it out to be. So just yeah. continue to delay it as long as you can
1: Yeah, for sure. I don't know how many people actually like love their day job, you know?
0: Exactly, exactly. Now, one thing I pride myself about College hockey Talk is we ask the questions that people might not ask. And there was a viral video, uh, when you, when Ohio State made the frozen four against Clarkson, yeah. when Danny sadik like, shoved one of the Clarkson defenders in front of you. <laughs> yeah. It was a pretty funny video. Uh, since we're probably never going to ever get Danny Sadick on the podcast, I'm curious, what was, what's the story behind that video, if there is any? Well, so
1: Danny and I are best friends. Um, so, at that time when those two girls skated in to try and get the puck from me, which was, it was covered. She just like, I don't know. She just was like, it was like a protection thing. She just dummied both of them. It was so (laughs) funny. And honestly, after losing the game and being so upset, we were sitting on the bus. I, we must've been getting ready to go back to the airport. And we saw that online and we were like, you know what? Honestly, it's worth it. Like (laughs) It was so great. Like, I don't know, it was so viral, it was so funny, but yeah, she was protecting me, so I think it was a great play by her, and I would definitely watch it over and over again if I could, so.
0: Did you ever ask Cassie Backel about it the following year, or you tried tried to stay away from it, I guess, a little bit? No,
1: no. I asked I asked her, and she said she wasn't even crashing the net, and I was like, <laughs> no, you were, you scared her like, fists. so she like, power-punched both of you.
0: I feel like I would much rather be on Danny's part where like I'm shoving someone than getting fallen over, but at least Cassidy is like laughs about it right now, which is pretty, which is, I feel like yeah. it's a good sport to have.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: No, for sure. That, your, that team had so many underrated players. Like Danny was one of them. Like I feel like yeah. no one talks about how good she was and she was a big reason yeah. why Ohio State had that success. Same with that entire defense like Charlie Dawkless. Like there's so yeah. many players you can just name off that team that I just enjoyed watching and, uh, yeah, no, that was a fun team for sure.
1: For sure. Danny's like honestly one of my favorite hockey players I've ever played with because I watched her as a freshman and I was like, hmm, I don't know if this girl's going to be good. And then she just like bloomed and mm-hmm. like good hockey IQ, very skilled, can shoot the puck. So it was cool to watch her grow throughout her years there.
0: So we're now in a segment I like to call the non-hockey segment where I ask you some non-hockey questions just so people yeah. get to know you a little bit more. Uh, first one is, uh, you're obviously known as a hat person, so what's your favorite hat that you own?
1: Um, I honestly like my toques, or as Americans would call them, beanies. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. I try and rotate so that I'm mm-hmm. not wearing the same one, especially in back-to-back Instagram posts because – that's just, that's not it. Um, but yeah, I, this is my boots one. So it's a pretty good one.
0: Nice. I Do try to wear like a scally cap at some point? I feel like that would be cool seeing you rock that. <laughs>
1: no, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day.
0: I'll tell you, Cassie, that would break the internet. If you try to do like a Peking Blinders look before a boots game, okay. I think that would be awesome. So just a suggestion. And if it does happen, okay. I need the boots social to sort of shout me out in some sort of way. I don't <laughs> know how they will, but they need to. Okay.
1: I'll get them to tag you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Now, what is your favorite TV show and which character on that show would be the best hockey player?
1: Um, okay, I'm going to go with The Office. Um, and I'm going to pick Michael Scott. <laughs> Not because I think he would be a good hockey player, but because I think he would really lighten the mood in the locker room.
0: Oh, for sure. And obviously, you drilled Toby in that one episode. So at least he would yeah. be a good nail gun player, and which we, would be we important. And we know he
1: can skate a little bit at least, so.
0: I think Jim would probably be the best just because he's probably in the best shape out of all the characters, yeah. but um, I don't know if, like, he would actually play or not, so that's the thing. We haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah true. What music uh, do you like to listen to that pumps you up before a game?
1: Um, super weird, but I like really soft music, chill music before a game. Uh, anything that gets, like, me too elevated actually makes me nervous. Um, so I usually listen to, like, Noah Kahan or Dermot Kennedy like very like sad girl music so
0: is that what you listen to all the time or just before a game
1: um like probably like 80 percent of the time but if i'm like randomly feeling like listening to like other genres i will um yeah
0: yeah i listen to everything but i think for me i need to get hyped up before a game i need to be fired up like i want to be like running, want, run, want to run through a wall before each game so i'm the complete yeah, opposite definitely not you
1: i like to be calm cool collected you know
0: yeah, I guess that makes sense as a goalie, but I don't know. I feel like as a goalie, maybe, I don't know, I played goalie a little bit, and, like, I would still want to be fired up before a game. So maybe that's yeah. why I probably wouldn't have made it as a goalie.
1: <laughs> Fair.
0: Now, uh, let's talk about some of your teammates that you had. First one is uh, with Clarkson, who was the funniest teammate you had uh, on that team?
1: Uh, hmm. I'm going to have to go with Christy Pidgeon. Um, She wasn't even, like, I don't think purposely trying to be funny. She just was, like, she was a very, like, light and bubbly person, so she just kind of elevated the mood, and she was fun to be around.
0: Uh, Funniest team you had uh, with Ohio State?
1: I would say Danny. Um, Some of the stuff, I, like, made a list of, like, things that Danny would do um, because they would just blow my mind sometimes. It was just her personality. She's, like, again, she's very, like, bubbly and easygoing, so um, she was just very fun to be around, and always made me laugh. So
0: that's awesome. Best style on Clarkson when you were there? Pre game I mean. Uh,
1: best style. Uh, I would honestly have to say Michaela Boyle. Um, she was there for my first half. Like she always had really good outfits.
0: Uh who had the best style on the team at ohio state i know you sort of mentioned the frozen four ones but is there was someone that always stood out every weekend or was it just I'm always gonna, hit them scans? yeah
1: i'm gonna have to go with like emma malte or Liv halverson i feel like they always had like the absolute most wild outfits i mean emma's obviously still there so if you really want to just go about her outfits they're like she definitely has something creative every game so Did you get
0: her into the hat game? Because I feel like she pulls that off every weekend.
1: No, but she does wear a lot of hats. (laughs) I noticed that. I like it.
0: That's good. That's good. I think she does a good job with the sort of old school top hat, if that makes sense. I don't know what it's it's called.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, what is the most interesting thing you've seen or read this week?
1: Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I've been really following that Idaho case. And I really want to know what happened because it's been bothering me. So I would say that um, I really do hope they figure it out. But th- like TikTok is going crazy. I feel like there's a bunch of detectives on TikTok that need to be hired because they are figuring things out that the police probably haven't even touched on yet. So
0: that will definitely be a Netflix documentary in like two years. I can 100%. guarantee you. Yeah, yeah. Uh My yeah. most interesting thing I've seen is a little bit uh not as serious as that one. I'm a big Red Sox fan, and I'm really disappointed that Xander Bogart signed with the Padres for 11 years, $280 uh, million. Um, it just, it's a whole thing. Like, I love the Red Sox, but I feel like they have all, all these good players sometimes and they feel like they never find a way to keep them, whether it's Mookie Betts yeah. or John Lester. And now Xander Bogart. So now I'm worried about Raphael Devers. So um That's I'm fair. hoping, so I've been like reading all about that and it, it it was a great night because the Bruins won, the Celtics won, and then the Red Sox just lose Xander Bogart. So it just killed my whole mood for the entire night after that.
1: That's fair. I'm sorry for your loss. That's sucky.
0: Yeah, I know. It is what it is. I know most people are not into baseball, but that's sort of my, like, my no, after I hockey, actually, that's, like, my thing. Like, after hockey, fair. I love baseball. I
1: actually went to um, a baseball game at Fenway this summer, and it was pretty cool. So.
0: Who was it against?
1: The Yankees, I think.
0: Oh, that's cool. I've never been to a Sox-Yankees game before. I've always yeah, wanted to go. Cool.
1: Yeah.
0: I thought – I, I assume, like, you probably are, like, a Blue Jays fan, and I was like, if you went to that 29-run Blue Jays game, I found like, that would have been t- that have been fun for you, but for me, I yeah. don't like to think about no, that game. Was, and it was <laughs> so
1: cool. Like, the game – I think that game was, like, two days before I went to Boston, so that would have been cool, but –
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, final non-hockey question is, if you could have lunch with anyone in the world, uh, who would it be and why?
1: um I would probably have lunch with Dermot Kennedy um I would just want to like pick his brain on his music um and also like probably fangirl a little bit and tell him that I listen to his music before every game so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah I would
1: I would definitely consider having lunch with him that'd be pretty cool
0: I think for me probably Wayne Gretzky um seems like a I feel like his opinion on hockey would be super interesting to hear. And I would love to hear yeah. how he just like dominate everyone, like back in juniors. Yeah. Like what was it like getting like 150 points in like 50 games? Like that seems yeah. pretty cool to me. Like, and yeah. he'd probably be humble about it, but I would love to know what it was like.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. He would be, he would be a good one. I, think I went off the hockey route, but I would probably just get lunch with Charlene Labonte if it was a hockey thing, just cause I already know her and yeah. I feel like we could use a catch up, you know?
0: I think if I had to pick anyone non-hockey, uh man, you put me on the spot. Or I put myself on the spot here a little bit. Probably like, um I don't know, probably like Abraham Lincoln. Like, I think it would be interesting to hear, like, him as yeah. a president. Like, even though he would, like, think what I'm saying is crazy because he, I'm, like, yeah. uh, uh, 200 years younger than he is. So
1: Yeah, true.
0: Now, getting back to some hockey questions now, first one I want to ask you is, uh, what advice would you give younger players that are trying to pursue a career in college hockey?
1: um I would say honestly like the biggest thing is be a multi-sport athlete um don't I don't think we were talking should we talking about this with my roommates the other day but specializing in hockey at a young age is like not it's not it um I played a bunch of different sports growing up and I think kind of just being involved in different teams and learning different skills actually benefits you in the long run um and just have fun like I feel like enough kid, like kids, not enough kids nowadays just have fun. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's so serious, like they're playing in tournaments all summer. It's supposed to be a game, right? Um, and I think I was very fortunate growing up to have parents that made sure it stayed just a game um, and never let it get too serious until it actually was kind of more serious. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing too is like, if you want to play college hockey, you have to be good academically. So focusing in on those academics and. Um, kind of, you don't have to know what you're going to do. I mean, I switched my major a couple of times when I was in college, but make sure that when you're in high school, you're doing whatever you can to have academic success so that it crosses over into your collegiate career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you about the burnout thing. I feel like uh what made me enjoy, love hockey the way I love it now is because I played other sports growing up. And I feel like a lot of times kids today, yeah. they get just so burnt out because they're playing hockey from January to December And you sort of need that break to sort of readjust your mind a little bit, but also like, um, I guess like not like, like just to take a break from it as well, because then it will just make you love the sport more and sort of like make you appreciate it more, I guess, as well.
1: Yeah. I, I'm usually someone to this day that will take at least like a month or two off my skates in the summer. Um, Mm -hmm. and I play soccer with my sister and all like I, I still try and get away from hockey because it's, it is a job now and, you know, you need your vacation days, so.
0: Exactly. Well, do you have, um, before we end this interview, I was curious, do you have any, like, shout-outs you want to give uh, to your teammates, former teammates, uh, friends, family members, Uh, feel free to give them a shout-out?
1: I mean, I've mentioned Danny Sadik enough, so I guess (laughs) I'll, I'll give her a hello. Um, you know what? I, I genuinely appreciated all my teammates, um, through all five years that I was in the NCAA and I've, I've made lifelong friendships through that. So I'm incredibly grateful for all of them. Um, and then just in, I mean, in terms of my family, they're my biggest supporters, my mom, my dad, my brother, um, and then his fiance and my two nieces. So, and of course my grandma, I can't leave her out. She's like my best friend. So yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Cassidy, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. You know it's a good episode when you go beyond 40 minutes, so I really appreciate this conversation. (laughs) And, uh, I wish you nothing but the best stuff for the rest of your season with the Buttes. I know you're going to do great, but thank you for your time. It means a lot.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.